Blog Talk Radio. Anyone charged with a criminal matter has the right to have their case heard before. A judge or judicial officer of the court is entitled to a fair and public hearing by a competent, independent and impartial court. Have strict court rules enforced such as the right of reply, rules of evidence, and be found innocent or guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Yet, our most vulnerable can have their rights, assets, and decision-making rights removed by a public servant of the state, not a judge, in a tribunal setting that can ignore evidence and facts and determine matters as they see fit and conclude matters based on probabilities alone. Are you scared yet? I've been scared a long time. Good evening, everybody. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online. This is the TS Radio Network, and we're just getting back busy after a little hiatus here this last month. Um, I want to remind everybody about the Whistleblower Summit. Our panel this year will be at noon on July 26th. That's a Tuesday, and we will be virtual um, with the airports being what they are. And uh, I'm just outside of Atlanta here, and we've had almost 3,000 flights canceled in the last week. There's no way I'd go anywhere near the airport. No way. And um, you wouldn't want me driving. <laughs> I can't even, they won't even <laughs> let me drive around the house here. Anyway, um, but uh, I want to remind everybody of that, and I'll be sending contact info so that you can sign in and listen to us. And please do. Uh, we've got some nefarious characters dogging us really bad and um, trying to stop this panel, most especially me. I don't know why I'm such a nice person. And, um, I know. Yeah, it is just something. But um, So we're, we're going to need everybody's support that can possibly be there when the time comes. Uh, other news. Um, things are kind of shaking up all over the country. I was contacted by a senator this last week. And wanting to know what my complaint was, and it was a senator here in Georgia, what my complaint was about guardianship. And I said, because it's just simply a, you know, civil prison system for people that committed no crime. I said, it's the only crime they've committed is the new age crime of aging with assets. But I said, even not having assets is no protection because we have predators doing business by volume. And like we have that one up there in Michigan, um, Mary Rowan, who has, I think, at last count, 1,780 wards. Look up the definition of ward. It means prisoner of the state. Yes, imagine that. Anyway, and we've all been through all this stuff about what tribunals are, how they were created to avoid civil and common law. They do not apply the law, the Constitution, or anything else where you'd have any rights. They were specifically set up to deprive you of your rights and the law. So think about that the next time you get a summons. Anyway, we've got a hot show tonight. Reverend Ralph is with us. Cause will be giving the hog report. And me, I'm just going to sit back and listen. Of course, my <laughs> co-host tonight is Cause Gave. And Cause, say hello. 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 <laughs> she sounds like she's five years old. 
yeah, <laughs> everybody is. And um, but uh, anyway, Akazi, I'm gonna let you. Let's see. Should we go ahead and do Reverend Ralph? Yeah, let's yep. hear from Reverend Ralph. Reverend Ralph okay. is. A reverend out of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, and today's show is all about Pennsylvania. And I mean, poor Marty and I, we are really getting tired of having to always report on the corruption coming out of Pennsylvania. Reverend, what's going on in your state? Please give us an update. Well, the corruption is basically uh, unlimited in the Montgomery County Courthouse. Uh, in the near future, I'll be talking about how a former district attorney has been, uh, or had been, he's out of office now, had been covering up a major scam on law enforcement for 30 years. Ooh. And and he was aware of this because I had a private meeting with him and a former state representative back in 2006. I will also be talking about how the FBI was is well aware of this scam on law enforcement and I have a letter from a U.S. congressman that confirms I had three meetings with the FBI in the last eight years. And the most recent time, several years ago, the FBI told me if I stopped in their office again, they would arrest me for trespassing. So once again, the FBI Ooh. has basically been a big uh, letdown as far as uh, trying to protect their people and their citizens and their rights. Uh, as far as a uh, little background on me. I did criminal investigations for 41 years, and that's what got me interested in this uh, scam. And uh, as a reverend, I am very, very concerned with the welfare and the feelings of the elderly people when they see their life savings being basically swiped away without any due cause and the fact that not only they're losing their savings, but their heirs, their heirs are not getting the money that they were, uh, that their parents or loved ones wanted them to have. So these criminals, as they're always called, and it's a rightful name, uh, these criminals just have no feelings for what they do. No more than any criminal that does rape, robbery, murder, any crime. They just don't have feelings. They feel they deserve what they want when they want to have it. And this is something where these attorneys, in Pennsylvania specifically, there are no standards as to what constitutes an accurate evaluation to determine if somebody is incapacitated. So the time can be one hour, it can be 10 minutes, it can be any made-up test that you can download from the Internet. It can be one test, it could be 20 tests. But the people that supposedly do this, psychologists, they will uh, admit that they have no independent proof that the accuracy of their evaluation is any better than a coin toss. So basically, every lawyer, every law firm in the state of Pennsylvania that has done legal guardianships, they should be sued for fraud because they never did their due diligence, which is a legal term for checking things out. They never did their due diligence before they simply hired a psychologist and took their word for it that their evaluation proves somebody is incapacitated. And the fact that these evaluations may only last 10 minutes, a half an hour, and they're charged thousands of dollars for this. People just accept what they say as a fact, 
and then it's just down the hill into a, a, a prison for the rest of the person's life, and it's despicable. And um, I'd like to know from other people nationwide in their states what standards are accepted as, a, as the uh, accurate evaluation method for their state. And I don't think any state really has one, not for the limited time that people can spend with these people. So right. I want to hear from these people. My website that I created is called protectmyparents.us. And I have a section where you can send me an email with contact information. I want to hear from people with their stories, uh, especially those in Pennsylvania, because I want to be able to maybe help these people help guide them a little so they don't get into this uh, maze of torture. It, Thank it's you. Really a, yeah, really yeah. a very sad situation. And the thing is, again, going back to why these tribunals were created was specifically because they can make stuff up. They are not required to produce any evidence. They are never asked for any evidence. So this tribunal knows only what this person is telling them, the attorney is telling them, and they're so-called experts, but they're never asked for any validation. How do you, you know, what do you base this on? Uh, is this true? Is it accurate? Is it anything? Um, and you're not allowed to question them. And uh, if you try to question these so-called experts, uh, everything just breaks apart. You'll be threatened with jail time, told to shut up and mm-hmm. sit down. Um, you're not allowed to question. So this, Marty, yeah, this is – yes, go ahead. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, Marty. I'd I like to add also that in Pennsylvania, these so-called evaluations are referred to as IME, Independent Medical Evaluation. First of all, oh. the court picks the, therap- the psychologist to do this evaluation. Mm-hmm. The person, the family member, is never told that they can have a person if they want. Number two, it should be a independent. That's separate from the court. Number two is the fact that one psychologist who calls themselves neuropsychologist, I got him to admit uh, from a friend that uh, there was no uh, medical test ever given for a person. So that name, independent medical evaluation, is a total lie. The best thing for anybody that's listening now, if they have some psychologist that issued such a report on a loved one, the best thing you can do is to hire a psychiatrist who will be able to give the proper evaluation based on their expertise as a medical doctor. So the one thing that I have found from people talking to me is, these guardians never look into what drugs might be a benefit to helping a person maybe uh, retain their cognitive ability or maybe even help them in some way. It's just strictly for the money, and so all the guardians seem to be concerned with. Yes. Thank you, Marty. I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. You're exactly right. And they never question the drugs the elderly person is being given to, let's say, subdue them, uh, a lot of times before, if they're even allowed in court for their own hearing, they're drugged up really bad so that when they're wheeled in there, 
uh, and they are wheeled in. They're drooling and can't talk or anything else. They see they're mm-hmm. incompetent, but they never tell that hearing examiner, but he knows anyway. Yeah. They have been drugged up massively to put them in this condition. And um, this can go on many times for the duration of the guardianship or conservatorship, this drugging until it reaches a point where the body mm-hmm. can't take anymore, of course, and that's the end. So, I, uh, yeah. go ahead. I do, I do know that in Pennsylvania, and I do have the court records to back this up and medical records, that the state of Pennsylvania, especially I do know in Montgomery County, um, ignore the 1987 Nursing Home Act that was signed by Ronald Reagan, and that has to do with chemical restraint. And so what they do is these chemical, rest- it's a chemical restraint. Basically, instead of tying somebody up, you chemically restrain them with all these drugs. Yes. And, I mean, we have laws on the books, but in Montgomery County, and now it is sounding like all over the state, these laws that are on the books are of no they, they just don't care, and they just go on and they continue to do, just get away. They literally are getting away with murder. And the other thing, to be a guardian in Pennsylvania, you don't even, you can be a felon, especially in Montgomery County. There's a woman named Gloria Byers. This was, this was broken in you know the Philadelphia Inquirer among other newspapers that Montgomery County allows felons to be guardians of the most like, like fragile people of our society, the elderly and the disabled, and Montgomery County allows felons to take care of them, a.k.a. a woman named Gloria Byers, which is, I mean, this is all a proven thing. I believe she ended up going to jail. She was the sacrificial lamb of the guardians, or we'll throw one in jail and then cover up for everybody else. Um, We will also like to know the proven felon, April Parks, when she was on the lamb, on the run, um, where did April Parks run and find, you know, her friendship and hideaway? Oh, that would have been Pennsylvania. She hid one county over there in Chester County where April Parks fled and hid, probably feeling comfortable there. And so today's show, we're going to be introducing Diane. And Diane is another story out of Pennsylvania. But this is what is so concerning. Diane's story isn't happening in our favorite county of Montgomery County or Chester County. It's not happening there. We're going to a whole other county that's not even close by in the state of Pennsylvania. And the only thing that we can assume is that the governor of Pennsylvania is a man named Josh Shapiro. Josh Shapiro hails from Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. He's now the governor of the whole state of Pennsylvania. He must know how lucrative guardianship is and the fact that the state of Pennsylvania, about a third of the population in Pennsylvania are elderly. The state of Pennsylvania has a larger than most states population of the elderly. Therefore, it is prime for the picking. And Josh Shapiro knows this. We also know that Bob Casey knows this, and that's a whole other story, which we've talked about him so these politicians are aware that we can isolate, medicate, steal the estate, help, we assume, funding all these political, you know, um, fu- their 
campaigns. And we also know that the Guardian can vote for their ward. So these votes are for sale or, you know, the Guardian will cast their ballot based on whatever. So I'm guessing that Josh Shapiro gets a lot of, a lot of votes out of Montgomery County from all those wards. So here we go. It's a whole nother county, isn't it? Josh Shapiro's state. Yeah. This is Reverend Ralph. Um, uh, Josh Shapiro is running for governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, 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 Wolf, Governor Wolf is the current governor. Oh, that's governor. right. He's the attorney general out of Montgomery. Right. That's right. He's the attorney and, general, so he's the policeman right. of the state, not doing right. anything. Yes, and, and what's good, interesting and, is, I was going to say, what's interesting is several years ago, I have emails that I sent to his chief of staff about that uh, major scam that's going on in Pennsylvania and nationwide mm-hmm. against law enforcement. And I always send an email back to myself to prove I contacted these people. I never got any word back from Shapiro's right. office. You know, they ask you on their website, the attorney general's website and other states to use their email form. Well, you can't get proof that they ever got it, and it just goes into a general mailbox. What I always do and what I urge the listeners to do is you call up the office of a state representative or your state senator or any other politician and tell them you've tried to contact them using their website email, and it doesn't work. And you ask for the email address of their chief of staff or their legislative assistant. That way you have a positive proof that this person got your email talking about your problem. So I found that to be very, very uh, Ooh, educational. Awesome. Well, let me tell you something else. If you're going to contact any of these people, email is the wrong way to go. Um, they can claim they never got it. They, if it has certain words in it, it's scanned before it's open. Uh, they trash it. We never got it. You have to send a fax. Don't use snail mail now. Um, you have to send a fax. They have to keep a public record of that for seven years. So always mm. use a fax number um, because then they can't deny they received it. Go wow. Ahead. Reverend so we, Ralph, that would be a good assignment is get us some fax numbers so we can start faxing yeah. in some stuff. But, now, you know, can you well, – go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you because uh, – well, in order to send a fax, you have to have a fax machine, and basically that's, you know, a caveman-type tech. You know, basically nobody yeah. has mm-hmm. a fax machine anymore. You'd have to buy one. I'm just pointing that out that yeah. you can't might, use your email for that. Can, can, can you? A, I, I'm not. Um, there might be a phone app. We'll have to, if someone wants to do a little yep. research and message me or Marty, I think there might be a phone app that you can use as a fax. Yes. But we'll get yes. to it. But you know what? Okay. Without further ado, I wanna I wanna get Diane on here. Diane has this is an emergency show. There is a really big hearing that's coming up. I believe it's next week, Diane, and I just want everyone to hear about what's going on, the scams that are going on in Pennsylvania. I actually know victims of these guardianship, the families will not even step foot in the state of Pennsylvania. This is how serious the state of Pennsylvania is harming the elderly and the disabled in this state. And here we are, a whole other county that 
you know, the Reverend and I don't know, we, we didn't know that this was going on in a whole nother county. And now to break the story, another corrupt county in Pennsylvania. Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Oh, thank you so much. But there is a repository, or a, I'm sorry, a foreclosure scheduled next Wednesday for the house that I am living in because as a result of my mother being taken, um, her home was uh, sold 180 hours after she passed away when I inherited it. And you're talking about how to notify the officials. I uh, sent a letter to the judge here in Lawrence County who approved the sale and had received a note that I could challenge it within a certain amount of time. When I sent the letter, I sent it requesting a receipt signed by someone. I received the confirmation telling me that Jay Lover signed it. When I contacted the courthouse to see who Jay Lover was, they said it must have been a typographical error. When I went to the post office, they said, no, here's the receipt with the signature. So we still don't know the identity of Jay Lover, who intercepted the judge's letter and the sale went through, or the repository sale of my mother's house went through. So I lost the house that I was moving into. I lost it in 2017 when I was denied access to it when my mother was removed from her house August 8th of 2017. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about tests being done to determine a person um, is incapable of caring for themselves. <clears throat> my mother um, was moved out of her house August 8th. Her doctors never knew she was moved out until October 2nd. She was deemed it's incompetent, awful. but we don't know by who because really? the resident doctor never saw my mom until October 5th later when I went in with pictures of her with a horrendous reaction to drugs that they chemically restrained my mother with. I was told every time she asked to go home, they would give her another dose. And that oh medicine God. was clearly marked in her folder in her file that she couldn't take it. But no one had requested her file, her medical records, August 8th. No one had her records until October 2nd. October 5th, the resident doctor, when I went in, he was excited to see me and talk about my appearance. And as he talked, I said, who do you think I am? He was misled to think it was his patient in that room. It was never, he didn't know he was approving those drugs from August 8th until October 4th for my mother. Oh, my gosh. So we don't and you have no idea who, who the secret guardian is and who did all this. We no have, idea. My, my sister was named Power of Attorney. Um, we have no idea who actually is in charge because I was notified I was being removed as her financial power of attorney, but I could remain her medical attorney or power of attorney, which was a trick because my contact with her was restricted. I never knew until she passed away that was being enforced because there were fake court orders saying that I hurt my mother and that I attended a hearing. (laughs) And then to talk it all off, I was notified 
May 27th, 2020, my mother had died February 15th. <gasps> and then... So they, like, hit her. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was... We couldn't get any answers because no one would tell me because they thought I had harmed my mom. Here, it turns out, her death certificate shows she died a year later on April 22nd, 2021. But I was also notified weeks before my mom did die by someone telling me my mom was still alive to prepare for her death because the district attorney needed her to die before the April 29th repository sale in order to save his career because with my mom dead, no one could advocate for her. And being that I was diagnosed with cancer and not working, I could not retain an attorney. And then with the house gone, um, because there were plans, I guess, to sell it earlier to the district attorney's straw buyers. But that deal fell through because they didn't know my mom paid her taxes in advance. And she oh, my gosh. And everything. She thought she was just going to launch. And they left and all she her possessions inside paid. the house. They even wow. left her underwear well, in the house, and she was given pull-ups to wear. And this wow. is a lady who went out every day for lunch and got her hair done. So did you ever figure out who filed on all this guardianship and put her in a nursing home away from where you knew? Like, have you yet to find out who did it? Like, who started all this? It was my sister and my mother's attorney. And they knew that okay. my mother had had two inheritances from my uncle and from my father. And that okay. was the worst thing that could have happened to her. Yeah. So was it a, were, are we talking millions or how, I mean, it's always the money, it seems. Uh, right. So there was probably got, about a quarter, a quarter of a million dollars in assets plus her home. Okay. So... Probably, yeah, wow. Isn't this all so disgusting, what people will do for money? So your sister oh. was in on this with an attorney. And right. they made up lies about, they make up lies about you. And they have musical death date. Like they can't actually even tell you what day your mom actually passed away. Really right. messed up. And you would think, I mean, it makes me wonder, are they doing fake fake uh, death certificates in Pennsylvania now? Like, I mean, you think birth certificates and death certificates could at least be accurate, but it's sounding like maybe that could even be now corrupted. What do you think? That's what we Doesn't definitely think. Doesn't a coroner have to come? Was, and... Yeah, um, because it was pointed out to me by the person handing me the death certificate that it didn't make sense. It was an electronic signature. And simply saying my mom had Alzheimer's, which she was never diagnosed with, and there were no contributing factors like pneumonia or anything like that. But I was also led to believe that she was starved for about three weeks before she died. And then hospice That's called in that day. Does hospice have any records of, of any of, I mean, I would think hospice would at least have to have records of this. Right, and I can't obtain anything because they still think there's court orders against me. And the best part okay. is the attorneys with, with uh, 
with hospice. <laughs> hospice changed under Obamacare, and they got an $11.5 billion infusion of cash to go from Good Samaritan to the Grim Reaper. You talk about her being denied food for three weeks. Under mm-hmm. the law now, food and water are determined to be medical treatment, not human necessity. So when they call futility of care, and somebody had to have called futility of care, it can be a doctor mm-hmm. anywhere, somebody from over in Barfarkel, Egypt, who never saw or talked to your mother, can call futility of care. This supposedly is legitimate. At that point, all medical treatment is stopped, except for the drugs they dose them up with. But the first things to be pulled in medical treatment is food and water. So they start the starvation dehydration process. After four days without water, you begin to feel some severe effects, and it just gets worse from there. It is also quite a painful process, and this is another reason they drug them up that, and they don't want to take care of them anyway. And um, they start drugging them, and with these massive doses of morphine and Seroquel or morphine and Ativan, and the morphine in a low dose is a good painkiller. In high dose, it suppresses the lung function, and it starts mm-hmm. taking over the lungs, and the lungs can't function on their own. One of the things they will tell family members or those who might be observing is um, the reason they're not eating is they forgot how to swallow. They didn't forget. You drugged them up so bad, the sympathetic nervous system is no longer operational and the automatic swallowing isn't isn't taking place. In fact, they can't even make it take place. They, if this was true, the one thing they would do immediately is run an IV and hydrate them. They don't do that. They send in a nurse with what's called the kill shots, and they start the process, the active process. To me, and we discussed this a lot on the Betrayed by Hospice shows with Marcia Joyner, um, this is premeditated murder. That's mm-hmm. all it is. They're protected by this law. That They did everything the law said they could do. And since how a hospice bed is worth about thirty grand a month, and it can be turned over two, three, four times in a month, um, that's quite a moneymaker, quite an incentive. But um, I, I hate to hear that hospice is involved in anything. It used to be, like I say, yeah. it used to be a good thing. Uh, it was a wonderful service and good-hearted people, and now it is populated by vultures and sociopaths, psychopaths, and have asked many times, how do you go to work every day and know you cause this much misery and pain and even death and go home to your family mm-hmm. like nothing happened and get up the next day and go back and do it again? What kind of person are you? Are you a person at all? But anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Diane. Well, What's concerning is fake death certificates that, I mean, they're yeah. now in cahoots to, like, not, I mean, I guess those aren't accurate anymore. That's crazy. You always thought, it, I I guess they're, I, why should I think they would be accurate? So now that's the new thing. <laughs> we don't even have accurate death certificates. Wow. But this is, this is sure Reverend Ralph. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. Was an autopsy performed? Not that I'm aware of. No. Because one of the things I found out in Pennsylvania is uh, I was concerned about someone I was uh, dealing with. I was concerned that 
a cremation might be done to cover up any evidence of, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, drug use and so forth, over drug use. And I went to a uh, mortuary and they said in Pennsylvania, uh, either the, the spouse has to sign off on a cremation. And if there is no spouse, all of the children have to sign off on a cremation. So that's the law in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So for anybody that's in Pennsylvania listening, if you think that uh, there might be some uh, funny business going on, uh, again, the people that might try to cremate the person to cover up what they did, they can't do it unless all the children sign off on it. Now, I will tell on my personal experience in Montgomery County, Diane Zabowski and Deb Clark were going to cremate Harvey. We had to hire our attorneys to go to battle to stop that cremation. And I have all, I have all the, I, we have all the, the court records. And because somehow the guardian was still going to be able to make this decision. So Harvey was Buddhist. So in Buddhism, they do not believe that your soul leaves your body for eight days. And so we had to uh, file on like a freedom of religion that that was his freedom and that the guardian can't make these cremation decisions. But we did know, I mean, we had to, there was attorney fees that were paid to deal with the fact that Deb Clock and Diane Zabowski out of Montgomery County in, in cahoots with Judge Stanley Ott were, had planned to cremate Harvey after he had passed away. So I guess those, I mean, once again, if we're going to forget about, you know, we're not going to follow the laws, these cremation laws aren't going to be followed either. Because I can tell you for a fact, we had to deal with that in Montgomery County. So, I mean, this is all just disgusting stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. Everybody, anybody can say they made a mistake and they didn't know it and so forth. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to, anybody's going to follow those laws if they're corrupt, but Right. Um, you know, you can only hope that, you know, the fact that there is a law in place that, you know, hopefully right. the, the mortuary is uh, honest enough to know that uh, they'll be in for a lot of legal mm-hmm. trouble if they do break that law. Right. I wonder, I mean, to me, it's like really surprising that like an attorney who's always the guardian of the person and a guardian and a judge that they don't know these laws. Like, really? You know, that's really concerning that they are in that if they are any place near an elderly person and trying to give them any kind of care. Just why they, are they? they? It isn't that they they don't know there's a law. They think you don't know, and so they just right. want to do what they do. See, they're planning plotting on your ignorance of what your rights may be, or your parent, or whomever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're planning. You know, they're figuring you don't know. So they'll get away with whatever they're doing. Right. Well, I, uh, and then we had to have I an learned, attorney go deal with it. I learned, um, oh, six months ago or so, on the average, every year, four to six state and federal judges are uh, indicted for crimes and disbarred for criminal activity. So judges are not above the law in any way whatsoever. I mean, they're as much of a criminal as a lot of lawyers are. And in Pennsylvania, yeah. it was about 12 years ago, two state judges were uh, were sent to state prison for 20 years, I think it was, for sending children to a private prison for kickbacks. It was called cash for kids. Mm-hmm. So 
These yeah. judges are not above looking at people like they're only dollar signs. That's, you know, that's just so disgusting yeah. for a judge to ignore something as serious as using people as a cash cow. Uh, my question to Diane is, uh, did you uh, or do are you thinking about having an autopsy to find out what actually happened? She passed away um, April twenty second, twenty twenty one. Okay, but and are you ha- thinking about having they- an autopsy done? No, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, I I just feel so bad about everything that. Yeah. She's gone, and I just want to get justice for her. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So do you even know where she is right now? Did they bury her, or do you know? <laughs> yes. Um, that's why we didn't – we weren't sure where her body was because she had prepaid – years ago, my sister made her prepay. And um, whenever we got the announcement that she had passed away in 2020, which was wrong – we called the funeral director, and he said, no, he still had all the papers and everything there. Well, this time we were able to confirm that she he did handle all the uh, arrangements and everything. So, um, and then we were able to obtain the death certificate, thinking you know, we could go ahead and pursue then getting her house, which we were denied. It was I was blocked in 2017, so I should have been able to move into the home then. Um, so then when I inherited it, found out then it was sold at a, the repository sale because the power of attorney didn't pay the taxes. So which now kind of wow. leaves me homeless because I was selling my home and the sale fell through. And then having gotten cancer and not working, everything's just falling apart. <laughs> and I really I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, this it's so tragic at the end of everyone's life that that they do this to families. It's so disgusting. And you had well, no idea where she was. Uh, yes, and she would have given anyone her money and to be 44 months in isolation, cut off and not having a holiday, not getting her hair done, going to church, able to stop, right. never leaving the, the room. So and you weren't allowed rough. to visit her. Yeah. No. Very no, no, no. rough. Yeah. And and you know so so what's going to happen in court on Wednesday? They're basically going to look at all this. Like, I mean, this is a corrupt house sale. That's for sure. They you know right grabbed the house, sold it mm-hmm. basically your house under your you know without telling you giving or giving you the opportunity to pay taxes or. She obviously had the money. It seems like they, the lawyers and the guardians make sure they get paid first and everything else can burn, you know, disgusting humans. So what, uh, yes. what is, what's actually going to happen on Wednesday, and how can um, our listeners support you? Oh, dear, that's, we're praying for a postponement and see if somebody can't pull some strings and get my mother's house back or compensate us for them taking the house 180 hours after she died, a week after she died, never notified me that they were selling it. I had no idea until right. a third party had texted me saying it was gone. So, yes, so we need, you know, we want to get her house back. We want to get back what was ours. 
and okay. there's no hearing um, anything. It was scheduled for a foreclosure on Wednesday. Okay, we've so got a caller on, ladies and reverend. Okay, hold on here. Is there a second area code six one zero? You're live and on the air. Oh, that's Pennsylvania. Am I on, Marty? Yes. Yes. Hi, it's Elaine. <laughs> it's Elaine. Hi, Elaine. Hey, Elaine. Hi, hi Elaine. Hi. hi, Reverend, and hi, Deb. <laughs> I I sent yeah. Deb some applications sort of to help her. I don't know where that is. I hope she I hope she made some phone calls because if you wait around for certain applications, you could wait a long time. I just wanted to comment on a few things. Of course, I feel so bad for Deb. It's like the same old, same old. You know, some some idiot in the family puts your family on the radar and, you know, you're advertising, hey, here's the money. And, you know, the court system is only too happy to come along and swindle, you know, your family for money. And, and the thing of it is that I just have come to recognize that this court system, they're operating like a kleptocracy, the government's stealing from the citizens, and they catch you. It's, it's all seems to be targeting family money. It doesn't matter if it starts through family court with divorce, custody, and support stuff, or if it moves later down the road with guardianship, or they'll get you at the end when you're gone and attack you through the probate. But they just want to grab people's hard-earned blood, sweat, and tears, and, you know, somebody else is coming along and stealing your family's money. It's horrible. It's just it's horrible. And uh, I did want to make a comment. I wrote a few notes, so I'm just going to, like, throw some stuff out. Even if you have a psychiatrist who evaluates your family member, um, I, they're, they're, they're corrupt as well. I mean, some psychiatrist wrote up some evaluation on me, a psychiatrist who I never saw, never met, never talked to. But, you know, um, my opposing side in court just hired someone to write up a phony evaluation on me. And, you know, I filed a complaint at the Department of State Licensing Board, and they let that doctor off the hook. <laughs> they saw a report he wrote. He admitted on the very first page that it's unethical to be writing up an evaluation on someone you never saw, met, or spoke with. But just the same, for all that money, he went along and did it. So, you know, these psychiatrists, a lot of them, you know, they may not be able to be trusted. Um, I wanted to let the Reverend know, just by the way, the judges that went to prison did not go to prison for putting all those poor little kids, or not, they're not all little, but kids in they went to prison for income tax evasion regarding the kitty prison, but not for doing what they did to thousands of those, you know, kids. And it was horrible. Those kids were horribly damaged. It's, it's, you know, you don't hear too much with the kids, but uh, what you hear about now is all the CPS, children in youth and protection agencies coming after people grabbing their kids like, there was so much attention yeah. on guardianship. Now they said, oh, we better lay low a little bit. And now they're going after people's children and snatching them, you know, invasion of the child snatchers, you know, so they can, mm-hmm. you know, put, you know, they grab, so they build up their inventory and put them out in foster care and, and adopt them out. And it's really, really horrible. 
And I'll tell you what else. One more point regarding this money. In Pennsylvania, they are sitting on $4.9 billion surplus of taxes just for this last year. And they don't know what to do with it. Well, gee, I, I know a lot they can do with it. They're sitting on $2.2 billion of remaining stimulus money. And then they held back between 50 and $100 million of money that we should have been uh, dispersed out for indigent and poor people for something called LIHEAP, which is assistance with heat and electricity. So instead of using that money for what it's supposed to be for, they're holding this money back. Who, why, what are they holding it back for? Who's getting it? And then in Montgomery County alone this last year, I got a text message actually in January saying, Montgomery County has $161 million. Do you have any suggestions what we could do with the money? Well, gee, anyone who tries to go to free legal aid, they don't even return phone calls half the time. Uh, they're holding back, um, you know, like public benefit from people who might really, really be in need. And there's no people are losing their homes, foreclosures, all sorts of stuff. They are taxing people out of their houses, and they're especially attacking seniors because a lot of times a senior citizen may have they may own their house, you know, because they lived there a long time, but they can no longer afford the taxes. And they've done nothing to put any controls on that. Even in California years ago, 30-something years ago, they put controls on the taxes so that seniors wouldn't be uh, have their homes sold out from them because of taxes, even when their home was owned, you know, paid in full. So, right. yep, that's kind of what's going on. But anyway, Diane, I hope, I hope things should go okay. Um, as far as a foreclosure, um, that doesn't necessarily mean sheriff sale. There's all sorts of legal actions to, you know, um, stop some of these things from happening. And I encourage her to make, she knows who I sent her some stuff last week, uh, application stuff. I hope she follows up and like makes phone calls because you got to be the squeaky wheel, uh, you know, to try to get some help there. I I can't can I can't help her with all the horrible guardianship stuff. It's a shame. It's just awful. But I I know how it feels to have everything taken because it happened to me. And Kaz and Marty, you've heard my story over and over. Yeah. So. That's it. Anyway, thanks for all that time, and um, welcome back, Marty. I hope everything's going great for, you know, all of you, and, yeah, <laughs> that's it. This Thank is you, Reverend. Lane. It was so nice hearing you. This is yeah. Reverend Ralph. Go ahead. I like yeah. to point out to the listeners, uh, I know Elaine, and you will never find, well, I should say, she is one of the most intelligent people I have ever talked to, and boy, does she know her stuff, so... For those yeah. who have dealt with her, you can just really feel good that you've got somebody honest and ethical that you're dealing with. She is a very intelligent person. Oh, well, thank you, oh. Reverend Ralph. I got news for you. It's like the more you know, the more they attack you. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to know less because I'll tell you what, at the end of it, I, they, they couldn't keep up with me, and they just threw away my rights. They ordered me out of court. <laughs> they just ordered away my constitutional rights so I can't file anything because at the end of it, they they weren't unable to let me even go through the appeals court 
because they were unable to deny me on any level, and they certainly weren't going to let me win. They weren't going to overturn anything. So, you know, right. they, they left me in a situation where the only, only alternative is the United States Supreme Court, which is, you know, it's a real tough thing going there. It has nothing to do with your right or wrong. They select things based on their own, uh, you know, what they want to address. So, yeah. But thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. You're thank welcome. You, You're welcome. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Cause <laughs> I'd like to uh, mention another uh, interesting tidbit that might be of help. I was talking to yes. a person, a friend of mine today, and she said in Pennsylvania, again, I'm just talking about Pennsylvania, every county has what they call an ombudsman. And yeah. the uh, phone number for Montgomery County, uh, for anybody that's listening to Montgomery County, is 610-860-5050. And the Pennsylvania Department of Health, if you contact them, they will give you, tell you who the ombudsman is in your county. And that phone number for the Pennsylvania Department of Health is 877-724-3258. So, Diane, you might want to call the Pennsylvania Department of Health, and they may tell you, or I'm sure they will, who the ombudsman is in your county who might be able to give you some help. Well, you know what happened there? <laughs> the district attorney is the one who is the ringleader of this whole scheme, and the ombudsman told me eight weeks after my mom was moved into the facility that, no, that's illegal. There's no court orders against you. There's nothing at the courthouse. You're allowed to see your mom. Then on January 26, 2018, she called me to say that, oh, there are court there is uh, restrictions that the doctor filed against you effective September 29th, 2017, 16 weeks earlier. The doctor said, I hadn't even met you yet. Wow. He still thought the patient was someone else. So our ombudsman is right in there with the, he's one of the accomplices. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is Reverend Ralph we- again. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, have you gone to the news media with your story? I've tried, but I haven't gotten too far. I think they don't want to step on his toes because he provides a lot of stories out of our town here. And the state representative, he is also involved being his best friend and has a real estate business. Oh, yeah. This makes all the money in the real estate. And Diane has so many documents. And I know, and Diane, I can tell that you feel nervous. But I want all the listeners to know, Diane, you have so many documents and you are so organized in everything that you shared with Marty and I that this was such fraud and it was such corruption that what they launched at you and your family is just so disgusting. Just, well, I appreciate your support. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any court watchers that well, now will your court be on in like a Zoom hearing or is it in person? There's no court, no hearing that I know of. It's just an auction, and that's we're just oh. praying we're 
waiting to hear back, begging the bank to just hold on, um, just see if we can't do something here. And I mentioned that we were going on your show and they could just hold off. So we're hoping yeah. on Monday that they'll tell us they're going to hold off. But otherwise, we don't know what we're going to do. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> oh, cause wow. Hey, Diane, hey, can, can I, can, Elaine, can I jump in? Um, I don't know if you filed this or what. Where you? I didn't see your paperwork or know the stages, but there's always like an emergency stay that you can sometimes file, and you know, pending certain other outcomes. So that, you know, I don't know if that if you've already tried anything like that, but you can always file. Just you know, simple language. You can write an emergency stay for that foreclosure, and it, you know, it may give you some time until. Maybe that application comes through. Would I be able to do that myself? And like, who would it be submitted yes, to? Yes, you don't have. Yes, I don't think. Listen, you're a pro se person. Um, all you need to do, is, you know, you, you title something "emergency petition for stay," and you know, you really should, you could probably just go on if you have a computer. You have computer if you have computer access. And go to a library. You could just sort of Google up some stuff and just say, you know, reason for emergency stay in foreclosure, uh, and you know, it'll give you some ideas. You know the details of your case. I don't, and I'm not a lawyer or anything, but I'm just saying, you know, not to not just sit back and let them railroad you. Just take some proactive action there, and you know, at least try to delay stuff because I know you have something that you're pursuing that should get assistance. Diane, do you know any other people in the area that have uh, been guardianized or that are fighting the same corruption that you're fighting? Have you met or heard of any other families? Well, actually, I believe we're up to about 43 people who have said that they still have been scammed through repository sales and that the papers, the same attorney gave them, which we believe also happened to us, he gives us copies stating one thing, but at the courthouse, they're filed stating something else. And we're not even sure okay, the so attorney was scammed. This is bingo. You have 43 other families that this has been done to in your county. Do you know how huge that is? That's, that's, that's huge. And now what you all need to do is you all need to be working together. These are the things that you're going to do. If any way that you could coordinate, you know, going down to an FBI office, we know they're the fake BI but something triggered, and I don't know if the Reverend or Elaine knows, what actually triggered that investigation for Cash for Kids? Because I know that those parents were screaming about it for years, and I thought I heard it was a whole bunch of them went down the FBI building, but do you know for sure what triggered that investigation that brought those judges down? I was, Casa Elaine, I, I don't know for, you know, I only know what I heard, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Um, I right. heard that it had to do with uh, these advocates for, ch- uh, I forget the name of the place now, something like child advocates. And, and like it's um, one of those places where they are supposed to help kids or something. 
Uh, it's mm-hmm. like a juvenile type of thing. Things having to do with like dependency and things like that. Uh, some investigation got launched there, but I don't necessarily know the facts. Um, I'll tell you, a lot of times stories will be put out and they're, they're fake stories. There's really something behind closed doors that we don't know about. The fact that the right. fact that these judges went to prison and it was, and I saw there was a movie made about it. I saw the movie. So yeah. everyone thinks they went to prison for the kids and that's not what happened. They actually went to prison for the IRS income tax evasion. So it really made, that could have been something that triggered it. Cause there was um, also a guardian ad litem. I'm trying to think of the time frame somewhere back uh, around like 2011 or somewhere around there. Uh, and she was in, uh, I think it was like Lackawanna County, like in the Scranton type area. And she also mm-hmm. went to prison, and it was IRS taxes. She was a guardian ad litem, and that was with child custody. She was working for the county and also billing parents privately. Mm-hmm. So what triggered it, it had to do with IRS, and that's often. A, so I have to wonder if that had, that was it. They're not going to put it out there that way. Yeah, but very well yeah, they can't. Thing. It seems like they can't. Like Pennsylvania can't bribe the IRS, I guess. <laughs> the, um, but the fact that Diane, that you have over forty families that are going to claim the same thing, these illegal sales of homes, that's huge. That right there <laughs> tells you there's, there's a lot of corruption. And how can I? I mean, how can all of them working together get? get where they need to go. Like a lot of family. The problem, is, the problem is we've been harassed and threatened so bad that they're all afraid to come forward. In fact, while right. I was had COVID, they came to my door um, because someone they were told was an anonymous call was placed that I was neglecting children. But I have no children to neglect. So all I could think was the movie I Care A Lot when they showed up at the door and mm-hmm. be combative because they were, I was threatened that they would uh, try to do false charges against me to keep me quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is what they do. Elaine, I mean, we know they do this in Montgomery County and I know mm-hmm. um, our sweet Mary Bush is just going through uh, uh, the worst over there in Chester County, what she's having to deal with. Uh, yeah. I mean, this state, this state is just unbelievably corrupt. I'm wondering, is there any way you can, like, file an IRS on, like, the, anyone who's involved with, like, the real estate? Just something that could trigger the IRS. So I filed these before. There are, there's an, uh, if you go to the IRS website, there's, it's called a whistleblower. And you actually get, you actually get like, the money if they do. Um, oh, I hear a hog honk. You actually get some money. If they find someone guilty, and it encourages people to go and file on people on the IRS, you do want to have some documents to back up what you're saying so they don't just throw it out. But with 40-some of you, if you could all get together, get some documents together, and, and you know, just start lobbing these complaints, lob one over at the IRS, that might give you some place. I mean, is there an attorney? I mean, that's a class-action lawsuit right there. An attorney could make a lot of money. That's for sure. And everyone that we've gone to from here to Erie, even Philadelphia and Ohio, they don't want to. They don't want to commit professional suicide going up against this family. Right. 
So wow. yeah, yep, and so, that's the same thing that we see in Montgomery County. That I've I yeah, they thought. they get disbarred if they go up against the you know the machine. Yeah. I just got a message here from a listener who said maybe yeah. we should go to Bob Casey. Uh, we have a long <laughs> history of Bob Casey going back 10 years or more, uh, the yeah. Tracy Miller case, where she was trying to save her brother who was disabled. They had yeah. captured him, and she fought like a banshee for her brother. She, uh telling yeah. you. She contacted Bob Casey, and Bob Casey told her repeatedly there was nothing he could do. And then he told her to stop contacting him. And But we've oh. had other people that have run through the same thing. Bob Casey is absolutely worthless, worthless he is. in my opinion. He is. Uh, he is absolutely worthless. Whatever is going on, he's on board with it. He is on board, oh, and yeah. he's not going to make any waves. So and he's, he's, he's on that elder yeah, he's on yeah. that elder committee. He's a big joke. I contacted him. Now, my uncle lived in Pennsylvania. Luckily for me, I do not live in Pennsylvania. And when I did contact him, I was my basically the response, because you have to fill in where you live, is I wasn't his constituent, so he didn't have to respond to my email, even though the person who I was contacting about was guardian, was under this abusive you know, hostile, terrible yeah. guardianship in Montgomery County, who was a resident of Pennsylvania. But Bob Casey didn't care because I was not a resident of Pennsylvania contacting. Mm-hmm. I do know that other residents of Pennsylvania that did contact him, he, he this is what we hear, oh, it's a court, you you know, hire a lawyer, it's a court issue, uh, go to the attorney general office. They, they pass the buck. So Bob yep. Casey is basically worthless. Yeah. You know, he's probably getting some, like, money off this, probably some campaign yeah. contributions, some wards are voting for him, guardians. Mm-hmm. You know, I can only imagine that that would be the reason why he just doesn't seem to care about the elderly or the I, disabled. I think, he's just, I think he's just plain lazy. That's what I think. I think he's comfy really? in his position, and he doesn't want to make any waves, and he really doesn't want to deal with anything, but he likes mm-hmm. the paycheck and the position yeah. he's in. And other than that, he has no interest in anything that I can see. I haven't seen one thing out of that man over the years that would have been productive for the people who put him in office. Not one thing. Uh, You hear repeatedly from many, many people that it is a waste of time to even mention his name. Uh, He's just not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. It just... uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, Diane, I want to go back to this thing about when your mother died, when she uh-huh. actually died. And then it was how long until you found out? Well, that we did find out that night, but we weren't sure. I can't hardly hear you, sweetie. Turned around. You oh, moved or did something. Yeah. Uh-oh. I'm sorry. Yeah, we did find out that night, and then we were able to confirm that. But when we found out the first time when it was faked, we never got confirmation. We still didn't know until she did die when she actually died. If she was still alive, we didn't know what was going on because no one would give us any information wow. because of fake court orders. So wow. we didn't know where she was wow, located, wow. what was going on. Yeah. That's just... And, and the state representative had no problem going on my Facebook to taunt us but nobody would provide information. 
Wow. This is Reverend, this is Reverend Ralph. Uh, I would agree uh, wholeheartedly with what was just said about these politicians. Uh, these politicians, everyone will say, well, you're not in my district, and they have some little uh, agreement with each other that no politician will do something for somebody that's in somebody else's politi- you know, political district. So that's the first thing that comes to their mind. If you're not in their district, they couldn't care less. They don't want to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, and it's so it went to our the one thing we have found out over the years is, uh, and we have gone to so many senators, representatives, governors, the Department of Justice, state attorneys general, uh, we the police, the FBI, we have gone everywhere. They all know they don't care, and that is the whole thing. There is too much money in this. You know, I've said repeatedly. The government, both state and federal, views the population as a commodity. We are something to be bought, sold, and traded and made money off of. So they snatch the elderly and do their job there. They snatch our kids and sell them. They they get paid to adopt them out. They get paid to put them in foster care. Um, they It's like rent a kid. You know, here, have some money. Um, but the whole thing is predicated upon treating us as if we are a commodity, not as human beings. And you have to look at it that way. We are a business enterprise. We are a business opportunity. And um, I I just, like I say, I've seen over, especially the last five years, bills come out all over the place about, oh, we're going to fix this, and we're going to... They never mention the word guardianship. They never mention conservativeship. Um, any crime that is cited in the bill is only applied to the family. It is not applied to the guardians or the attorneys or the hearing examiner. Um, They're exempt from these rules. Um, So, you know, you have to look at what they're putting in place. We had a bill come out up in Minnesota here, I think it was last year, might have been the year before, but it was going to fix this whole situation. And number one, this bill was so complex you couldn't make heads or tails of it. In one section it said you can't do this, and another section that said, well, you could if you jumped up and down three times, whistled Dixie, and waved the flag. But, you know, it just here was all this stuff written in there. But at one point it said that they gave the guardian the right to change beneficiaries, because this was one of the biggest complaints. How were they getting in there and changing legal standing agreements? And the other thing, uh, the idea that a hearing examiner can discard pre-standing legal, legal arrangements like POAs and trusts and oh, wills yeah. and all of that, and discard all of that and may, decide somebody else should get it. Another part of it was that the mm-hmm. guardian may change heirs on any of this and choose anyone of their choosing, even if they chose themselves. Yeah. Uh, and it was that. Um, you see this stuff all the time, and yet that senator representative will stand up and say, you didn't say thank you. I wrote this bill. No, you didn't write this. Some attorney bill writer wrote it. Somebody from the Guardianship Association wrote it. Somebody from the College of Probate Judges wrote it. You didn't write this. You can't tell me what it says. Not one word. So you need to be careful of laws that do come out, You know, like the Elder Justice and Protection Act of 2019, which basically was a full-on attack against the elderly. And um, 
with ex- extra funding and empowerment for all these agencies we fight. And then a charge at the end of that bill, uh, the DOJ or the Congress is charging the DOJ with writing a new law. They can't do that, not legally. They can't. You can't cede your lawmaking authority to another agency or person. But who pays the attention to that? And uh, but you see all this stuff going on, these bogus bills that come out. One of the glory hogs said to me one day, well, I'll take what I can get. My response was, you got nothing. Are you happy with that? Yeah. And, of course, there was an explosion. But, uh, it, you but have the glory hog's it. name was probably somehow on it. Or that yeah. the glory hog probably got to have exactly. a picture with somebody, you know. Yeah. So it so, worked out for the yeah. glory hog. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Glory and, Hog uh, got a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> or did another Photoshop. And, uh, yeah. But, but it, it just, there, there is so much against us, against the public, by these organized rackets, and they are organized crime against yes. the public. And yes, we are. have to address it that way, in my belief, and we have to stop counting on senators and representatives who are going to take hundreds of thousands in campaign donations to pull the wool over your eyes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just have no appreciation for politicians, uh, for people in high places, because basically it seems to me they've lost their sense of humanity. Anybody hearing these stories like yours, Diane, is incensed mm-hmm. that this could even happen. And yet these people hear it every day. They know firsthand how it works, why it works, who did it, who done it. And they sit there and do nothing. Nothing. Marty, so, this is the is Reverend the Ralph. Yes. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm yes. sorry. Again, it's, it's hard to know. Uh, you were just talking about that it being a racket. Yes, and the action is called racketeering, and that falls under the federal crime of RICO. Yes. federal prosecution and again yeah again we're all talking and we all know it and we've all been through it and again these people are just so desensitized to what the pain and suffering that they cause people it's the almighty dollar and for what a newer car uh maybe a house yeah. payment or something that's what they feel the money should be stolen from i mean bernie's uh bernie madoff he stole $63 billion out of people, and 90% of it, as I understand it, 90% of it was from charities. So all those people oh, wow. could not do their work to help people in any organization just because Bernie Madoff thought he should have it more to do nothing with it, right. to have a bigger yeah. house or more houses. I mean, it's crime is crime. I mean, you just can't justify what a robber does or a burglar or a child molester, these people mm-hmm. are just misfits of society. And if a dog yes. bit a person without justification, you'd stick a needle in his arm and put him down. This is my yes. opinion on what these people should have. That's my <laughs> yeah. opinion. Yeah, I mean, another... and they, they don't oh. care. And no. Like, people will tell me, this happened, this happened, this happened, and, and it's really hard for me, you know, as an advocate to say, I, I need to tell you, but they don't care that your mom is wearing dirty clothes or that 
they ha- she hasn't been bathed or that she hasn't been the diaper. Like, they don't care about those things. And when people get so worked up about the mistreatment of their loved one, you have to realize they don't, these guardians, they don't care. And they don't care that you're upset. They actually are, find a little sick enjoyment that they've upset you because they're that, yeah. they're that deranged. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. There is another U.S. code, um, chargeable crime, called deprivation of rights. Now, I wrote the DOJ about this because in every probate case, they, of course, pull all of your rights. And once you're in probate, you have no constitutional or legal rights anyway, but they make it permanent. And uh, they put it on record that they've stripped you of everything except the right to vote, which they'll sell that vote to the highest bidder. But um, Mm – so I reported this to them, and I said, we we have thousands of cases where the first thing done is this deprivation of rights. What can you do about this? And they wrote me back and said, well, it didn't apply because this was probate. And this was – probate was run under administrative law, not constitutional law. So – and that's another thing people need to understand. There are two systems running here, your constitutional courts, the Article Three courts – and then your um, administrative probate, which doesn't recognize the Constitution or the common law. They set up their own rules and regulations and codes and Mm -hmm. who can and who can't and all of that, and they run outside of the law. This was intentionally done because the people that they capture, isolate, and steal from have committed no crime. And when they went into civil court... The charging incapacity, they had to prove that charge. And the incapacitated person that they claimed and their advocates, whomever they were, were allowed to question, bring their own evidence, uh, question what the guardians and so on were saying, and they couldn't have that. You get into probate, they don't have to follow the rules of evidence, the code of civil procedure. They don't have to because it's a whole different system. And it has nothing to do with the law. And um, they claim they created it because state courts were just overrun with these cases. No, hell, they weren't. Um, And that if they continued on, they would have to hire more judges and obtain more courtroom space. And as I told a judge in Minnesota, isn't that exactly what you just did? Only you created a whole different legal system on top of it. And he got quite angry and turned red in the face and looked like veins were going to pop. People react like that a lot of times when I talk to them. And um, <laughs> But it's just uh, it, we, we are up against a criminal racket that involves our yeah. politicians, that involves our state and federal government, and the, the feds of all people sitting there doing nothing, acting like they don't know. They know. They help put it in place. Mm-hmm. They help put this in place, and um, they know every day that people are actually being murdered in hospice. In fact, that's why hospice was reinvented, was to dispose of these people in a quick fashion, which they do. And um, there again, you can't do anything. You know, I'm going to pose to you people that think this is a good deal with hospice. If I came to your house and I put a pillow over your dad's face, and I'm steadily smothering him while I'm telling you he's having trouble breathing. And you're trying to get me off of him, but I hold on until he's gone. 
Now that's murder, isn't it? Isn't it? Mm-hmm. So why can yeah. a nurse walk in with a hypodermic needle, shoot you full of drugs after you have been starved and dehydrated that will impair your breathing, stop your heart, shut your whole body down, and for some reason this is I'm supposed to look at this as uh, they really cared. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They got paid well for what they did. And um, I, I just, I don't know. We have to treat this like what it is. This is a criminal racket. And unfortunately, it has the blessing of state and federal governments. Um, apparently, those of us over 60 are a big threat to the rest of you. And um, as one kid said to me, well, you're using up resources that we need. Excuse me, those resources you're talking about, I helped put there. What are you talking about? Well, mm-hmm. well, and what resources are those? Well, well, yeah, well, well, you don't know. And um, it, it's it's a system of predation. It is populated by people who are predators by nature. And I still say I'm still trying to find more on this about the scientific community saying there are two, if not three, distinct human species on the earth. And if you look at it from that angle, because there's too many of these predators, they're too prolific, and people who are born sociopathic, um, maybe they're not born so much sociopathic as they're just born to be what they are, and that's devoid of human feelings, sympathy, empathy, love. Um, commiseration, whatever it is, they have none of that. They don't feel that. And, um, I mean, people listening to you tonight talk, Diane, are upset. If you don't upset this is happening to you and the battle you're up against, but the people involved in it are thinking, well, what's your point? You know, what, what are you mm-hmm. mad about? We do this all the time. They're thinking, yeah, quit your complaining. Yeah. You know, yeah, let me right. get it. Yeah, we're... We're like a gnat. We're like a bug. We're just yep. an irritation. You know, they don't yep. they don't care. Oh my gosh! Speaking of psychopaths, this kind of like hit. I don't know if it made everyone's news there. We had a guy in the um, Highland Park, Illinois, which is a town right next to where I grew up, and opened fire on a parade and then fled to Madison, Wisconsin, where I live. And they oh. caught him. Did you hear about all this? And oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. He killed seven people and wounded 30. Yeah, right right in my backyard and then was up here in Madison, Wisconsin, like m- just miles away from where I live, and he was going to plan on opening fire on another parade, and I don't know what happened, why he didn't, and they ended up catching him. But you know, when you I, talk about, I find like, it odd. Pass, what's the matter with people? Well, see, I think there's something more to that story than what they're telling. Uh, we have all these gun control laws. They want us disarmed. They want us. Right. Australia did it, and Australia said, don't let them do that to you. The minute they did, they turned on us. And But they, every time they're trying to push one of these unconstitutional Second Amendment, your rights shall not be infringed bills, and to break down the Second Amendment, there suddenly is a spate of these mass shootings. Uh, you know, there's at the school, at the church, at the parade, and the people are coming out of the woodwork and for no apparent reason shooting the place up, killing people. And, of course, the news beats it to death. 
but somebody needs to ask the question, what fired these people up almost simultaneously? And if you look into this directed energy weapon and the things going on, I'm telling you, if you want something to make your hair stand on end, is the whistleblowers out of that sector. Um, it just, uh, they can make you do anything they want. This vaccine that isn't a vaccine, it's gene therapy, um, that Pfizer CEO said, uh, it's not really a vaccine. We just called it one so that we'd get the uh, protection from being sued. Um, it's really like an onboard operating system, kind of like what's in your computer. Well, that's why I have a computer. I don't want that in me. And, But they can basically communicate with you. They've been doing this with the military for some years now, putting a chip in their head. And they can talk to you, put thoughts in your head. They can do all kinds of the people that have whistleblown on these programs. I'm telling you, it's the stuff of nightmares. We have a government, Mm -hmm. whether it is just ours or it's a global thing, whatever it is, that is dead set against us. And they want us reduced, the population reduced. And it's like I've said all along, it isn't that they care if you've got a gun, because they got uh, weapons that make your gun look like a pea shooter. They want you disempowered and feeling that you have no way to fight back. This is a psychological operation. It is to disempower you, and um, you have nothing to fight with. So this is what, what gun control is actually about. But like I say, you need to be questioning why all these people suddenly show up out of nowhere for no verifiable reason and start killing people. And it always happens when they're trying to pass one of these bills that destroys the Second Amendment. Um, and then it'll die back down. And, you know, I got tickled last year. Uh, was it last year there in Wisconsin or the year before? That guy, they were trying to pass a bill like that. That guy walked into a church and opened fire. And unfortunately for him, one of the congregation members was armed. He stood up and blew him out the door. Yep. Oh, and gosh, I don't think that. Yeah, I remember that story. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it was in Milwaukee. I think you're right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. And, I yeah. believe you are right. That happened in Milwaukee. Yeah, those stories yep. never make the big media. Um, no, no. Yeah. No, there in was, fact, they tried, to, they tried to charge the congregation member with uh, murder, aggravated assault and murder. And here he oh, stopped wow. this guy from following <laughs> He got out Taking of it everybody else out. People, Yeah, yeah himself, and every but, state has different, like, every state has different gun laws. Like, these stand your ground. I don't understand them all, but it's very interesting. Yep. Well, you know, was it yesterday? I guess in Japan, there's zero gun laws, and the guy running for, uh, what is it, like, running for emperor or something was assassinated yesterday. Oh, wow. I don't know if anyone heard that. And they believe that the guy who shot the gun. Now, so there's no gun. You're not allowed to have any guns in Japan. They believe he made it with a 3D printer, made a gun. Oh, well. So uh, I don't know how that would work. I mean, I really don't. It seems to me when you try to fire it, it'd blow yeah. up and catch fire. But um, Yeah, but, yeah, so there was an assassination. And, the guy, and, yeah, the assassination attempt actually worked because the, the gentleman passed away at the hospital. I, I can't oh, remember. Wow. He was running for some office, and he had been in office, and then he had cancer, so he stepped down, and he was a very beloved person and was out doing a campaign speech and was assassinated. I think it was like last night oh. in Japan. 
Reverend, yeah. This is Reverend Ralph. Yeah, he was a former prime minister. His last name was Abe, A-B-E. And uh, the gun was a homemade gun. And to go back in history, back in the 50s, uh, gang, you know, the typical gangs were making homemade guns. They were called zip guns. So no matter uh-huh. what kind of gun law that people make, politicians make, people can make guns at home. So and there's no way to you know trace it or whatever. Uh, and also, yeah, right. I like to I mentioned this last week. Uh, you're talking about uh, Marty. You're talking about people being a commodity and so forth. In Japan, uh, they're trying to pass legislation that because there's not enough young people being born to make the money to pay the benefits that the old people get, the they're trying to propose a bill that says uh, that the elderly people. Uh, that if they commit suicide, that the government will pay them so much money that they can enjoy the last week of life and all before they commit suicide. So that's basically how much the government is trying to just think of people as just a commodity like uh, in communist countries, that they're just machines. They're not really people. Yeah. Yep. uh, I think it's a failure to recognize the humanity of people. Humanity. Um, yeah. It's, um, there is something that is lacking there with these people. Like I say, for, to go along with something like this, we're just run-of-the-mill everyday people, and we're incensed by what we hear and what's going on, and we're trying mm-hmm. to fight back, and yet these people participate in it, help keep it going, provide protection. What is wrong with you? Uh, I, I just don't. And, and I think, Reverend, it's like you said, it's for money, for a car, for a house, or that it becomes mm-hmm. more important than the person you're attempting to destroy. So, you know, there we are. Guys, we are down to about four minutes here. This went fast. Um, Diane, I hope we've been of some help to you. Uh, a lot of information always comes out of these shows. If you, uh, The show will be available after about 30 minutes in archive. You can listen to it again as many times as you want to. Um, if there's anything we can help you with, please let me or Kaz know. Cause uh, has been handling most everything here these days. Um, but uh, we'll be back up and running full speed. And I want to remind everyone again, the Whistleblower Summit uh, with Marcel Reed. We, our panel is on July 26th, Tuesday at noon. And we will be doing virtual because, like I say, the way things are at the airports, especially here in Atlanta, there's no, 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 no. I'd be better off trying to walk. And, um, <laughs> well, I'm not kidding you. Thousands of flights canceled. No reason given. Um, they just terrible. And um, I went through that here three years ago coming back from D.C. Um, I uh, eventually uh, I went to South Carolina for a week and then when I left there uh, I went to the airport sat there all day till that night they canceled my flight I had to go back the next morning buy another ticket I was supposed to leave at 9:45, never left till four something in the afternoon and got to Minneapolis St. Paul about 11 o'clock that night by the time I made all the transfers uh, just in time to catch the subtle shuttle out to St. Cloud and get home by the time I got home it was 1:30 in the morning and I can't oh. imagine what these people are going through in these airports. 
because yeah. when this happened to me, they were it was American Airlines was canceling flights all over the place. There were thousands of people stranded. And um, I figured something was going on at the time, but now they're doing it across the country. I think a lot of things are going to change for all of us in this next year. I think you're going to see things coming out of government that, if you aren't scared already, are going to terrify you. Because these people are dangerous. They're hunting us. They are hunting us. Keep that in mind. If they don't come for us, they'll come for our kids. We we have to keep a tab mm-hmm. on this. Um, Reverend, thank you for calling in this evening. You're welcome. And uh, you're always full of a lot of information. And then, mm-hmm. Kazi, thank you for all your hard work. Um, she's basically been holding everything together this last month. Uh-oh. And uh, um, so, you know, we've got a good team going, and we've got people we can depend on and trust. Absolutely. Elaine, include yourself in there. And yes. uh, so we're going to keep running as long as we can. The show and, will uh, go on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, even if something happens to me, Cos will pick it up and carry it from there. So, um, and we thought something was going to happen to me too. <laughs> we had anyway, a scare, no, which we did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for participating this evening. We'll be back next yeah. Friday night. Goodness knows what we'll come up with, but it'll be something. And again, another reminder <laughs> on the Whistleblower Summit, noon, July 26th is our panel. That will be me, Cause, Marcia Southwick from NASCA, and Christine Dallas from the Australian uh, Association Against Guardianship. So we'll be good to go. Everybody have a great day. Thank you for participating, and have a great night. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.